When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the Girls and Boys NSAA High School Soccer Championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Tuesday, May 14th, see Class B Boys at 5.30 p.m. Central and Class A Boys at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Basketball analysts for FS1, host of the Nick Bob podcast, and former Creighton and Kansas basketball guard, Nick Bob. Man down, man down. Nick Bob. I open up some salsa, explodes all over my chest. Nick, 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 Nick Bob. Meet me at the rim. Here is Old Dominion. Nick Bob. on a snowy Friday and I want to remind you if you're out driving keep your hands on the wheel eyes and focus straight ahead as the driver you have one job and that is to drive make sure you get you get where you're going safely this message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office joining us now on the Warhorse Sportsbook hotline is our guy Nicholas Allen Ba from FS1 from the Nick Bob podcast from the Chicken Nick show. Nick, what's going on, man? Just trying to survive the snow, just like everybody else. <laughs> man, it's rough. Nick, I got, I got, I got to tell you, man. Like every time I hear your name, like especially your last name, and, and maybe it should be your intro music from now on. Uh, it, it reminds me of the song "Bad Romance" when like Lady Gaga's like rah rah rah, uh, uh, and I'm like inserting "ba" into it. So I don't know. Maybe it's a little weird thing. Maybe it's bad. I don't. But that, that's what we should do. That should be your music bed when you come in. I you know I think like the one thing that Major League Baseball, WWF like they had figured out is like anytime somebody comes to the plate, enters into a situation, you play music. It's just better that way. Like it's just better mm-hmm. when, when you have some sort of walk-up music, even into a room under a radio station, it doesn't matter. So I'm with it. I'm with it, Andrew. I'll take it. I'll take that. That sounds out. like a job for your uh, podcast co-host, uh, Matt Schick, to, to be able to lay down that track, maybe uh, bust out the pipes for a for a little Nick Ba tribute song, you know? He, he used to, so anytime I would like miss the show, whether I, say I was sick or like I was traveling with Creighton or whatever, he had Eminem, Guess Who's Back. <laughs> that was how we'd start every song, but it would just be my screams, my laughs, my misspeak, <laughs> like in, in, in between all of it. It was, it was a good way to, to set the tone for the day. That's outstanding. <laughs> we love it. Uh, you know, speaking of Creighton, they uh, struggled a little bit to start Big East play 
They Their offense at times this year has looked a little stagnant, hasn't really had the ball popping around and had that off-ball movement that we're used to seeing from Greg McDermott's offense. How concerned are you, I guess, throughout the season? Because it seems like in the last handful of years, they got – a lot more comfortable with kind of that pick and roll focused offense with Ryan Nemhard and Marcus Zagorowski before that. And that was really their skill set, right? You don't really have that guy on the team this year. Seems like they maybe need to dig back a little bit, bit further in the playbook into those pre Marcus Zagorowski years. And they haven't really found a comfortability with that yet. What's your level of confidence of them being able to figure that out during the regular season before postseason play? Well, the thing that, first of all, that's amazing is I'm totally with you. There are times I'm like, man, this team has a hard time scoring at times. This mm-hmm. team, when it gets bogged down in the half court, isn't as potent. But I'm looking at it right now. They're 15th in Ken Palm's <laughs> offense. So, so I don't know if, like, we, we also maybe need to – I'm sure if Greg McDermott was here, he'd like – I don't know if you guys are watching Living Color, Homie to Clown, like, smack you. Like, yeah. He'd like, he'd have to smack us like, geez, guys, like our, our offensive numbers – Effective field goal percentage, fourth in the country, you know, like two-point field goal percentage. I'm just looking at it right now. They're sec- or the third in the country. So it, it, it is weird that they've created this uh, this bar offensively for what it's supposed to look like uh, with the pick-and-roll lob threat, with some of the pace, with some of the ball movement, different things like that, that we expect just, a, you know, a buzzsaw every single night. And to to circle back to your question, I am concerned. Uh, and I think that it's going to get more challenging as they get further into conference play when you have these teams that understand your pet plays, understand your tendencies, understand all those sorts of things. And like you said, Robbie, I just don't know if this team is blessed with that point guard that they've had over the years. Maurice Watson, Marcus Zagorowski, uh, Tyshawn Alexander could do it in in spurts. Um, certainly Ryan Nemhard that was good in those pick, pick and roll situations of hitting that roll man. And also, if you disrespected him, he could, you know, they could go in there and and score themselves. So uh, I'm a little concerned on that front. I'm not concerned with Greg McDermott being able to to figure out the best, you know, combination, the best way of attacking things offensively. I find myself when I'm watching the games screaming, get the ball to Kalkbrenner, get the ball to Kalkbrenner. Like, I think that needs to be something that you establish every single game. They did that against Providence. Uh, didn't really need to do it as much against DePaul. Kind of everything was working uh, against the Blue Demons. But uh, e- anyway, you slice it, you got to establish Kalkbrenner in the interior. Uh, but yeah, there, there are, I think the last time we talked, there's just an athleticism deficiency overall on the perimeter with this group that I think could make things hard for them offensively uh, as, as things progress. Nick, I, I want to touch on that Kalkbrenner point you made there for a minute because I know it seems like kind of dramatically different types of roles but really getting the ball into Kalkbrenner in the post kind of allows the same impact on a defense as that really effective pick and roll right because you get a piece of the paint you make a defender choose between either doubling or switching or whatever the case is like you get a lot of the same results is that why is that part of the reason you why you want to see them hammered into Kalkbrenner or I mean also he like shoots like 70% from the field so that helps yeah yeah (laughs) It, there, there's certainly that, that he's like top 10 all time in field goal percentage in, in college basketball history right now. But he's different than like a Zach Eady or, you know, some of the, the, the great post players where he's not necessarily a dude that you just like 
you pound it into him. He he can peck dribble and back you down and, and put you in, in the blender. That's not really like how he's built. So I don't think you can necessarily just get lazy and just kind of have simple sets to kind of throw it into him. But you're right. At the end of the day, you got to get a you got to get a paint touch either via the drive, via the post up, do something to collapse that defense, put the defense into a predicament. Because right now, when when things get stagnant, there's the ball just stays on the perimeter. Creighton gets pressed out past the three point line, and they're having a hard time getting the ball into the post. And then I also think the other reason that I, I call it better to me. The more you can get his emotion up and get him really, really – sometimes he, he's a really laid-back dude. I'm sure both of you guys have talked to Ryan. Ryan is like you could – he he is going to – his blow. announcement when he came back to Creighton is like, I, uh, hey, I'm just announcing <laughs> that I'm coming back to Creighton. Like, you know, anything you do to get that guy, like, engaged, and whether that's throwing the ball to him, I think uh, against Providence there was clearly an emphasis of that, and I thought it, it helped out. But, yeah, I uh, – there are all those reasons you you named, Ravi, I think are, are spot on and why you got to make sure you're getting him involved. Nick, it's been an absolute chaotic week across the top teams in college basketball. Who are the risers and fallers for you in the upcoming polls? And do you expect some of these teams just to remain exactly where they are because of all the losses across the board? It has been wild, right? I mean, uh you know, I, I think, though, it, it's been wild on from the outside looking in on the surface of it, but am I stunned Houston lost at Iowa State? I'm not stunned. You know, like, that's a hard place to play, and, and that you know, TJ's got that group playing with an edge, and they've gone to the NCAA tournament a couple of different times now. Um, I'm not stunned that Purdue lost at Nebraska either. Uh, and in some way, I've seen Kansas quite a bit. I'm not necessarily stunned that they lost at Central Florida either. So, like, all these teams, Andrew, have enough flaws that it's it's not too jarring if they go get pushed, test, or even beat. Um, I think the team that I'm – I'm, I'm worried about Marquette right now. I think the last time we talked, I said they were in, in one of those kind of, like, top four or five to me – there's there's something with them that they just kind of don't have that same mojo and edge to them, and I'm not I'm not totally sure what to put my finger on with it. I one of the things that I was interested to see what would happen this year, and they they navigated it well early, is just the role reversal flip mentally, where they had that chip on their shoulder, trying to prove everybody wrong all year last year. They're picked ninth. Um, and they can kind of play that card. Well, you can't play that card this year. When you won the Big East regular season title, you won the tournament, you're a preseason top 10 team. Some people are picking you as a as a final four group. And sometimes it's hard to maintain your edge when you're gonna get everybody's best shot no matter what, because you're, you know, you got you 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 come with with some notoriety. Uh so I and, and everybody expects you to win right now. Like so I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried about them a little bit right now, uh, just because I have, have pretty high expectations for for them going in. Um, I, I think UConn is a group that maybe we're just all like, I don't need to need to start putting in that upper echelon a little bit more frequently. Uh, I thought they'd miss Sonogo, Jackson, and Hawkins maybe a little bit more than they have. Uh, they just keep on winning, man. They just keep on winning. They look pretty darn good. They got that swag to them. Uh, but I would say, Andrew, I'm worried. Marquette's the one team that, like, you know, it's not only did they lose, they just they haven't played great uh, over the last couple of weeks either. 
We're talking with Nick Baugh, college basketball analyst on FS1, host of various podcasts here on Herd at Sports. Uh, you know, you mentioned that Purdue-Nebraska game, and I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about that because you put a, uh, a video out on Twitter. You do these little breakdowns from your hotel room about, which I love, uh, and it was about Nebraska's doubling the post and how it kind of bit them against Indiana, even though they won that game, and against Wisconsin where they got smacked a little bit. But then we saw against Purdue how their ability to double Edie and cause him problems was super effective in their win there. What did they do differently from the Wisconsin to the Purdue game that allowed that to go from, hey, this is a place where you can beat Nebraska to, hey, they just kind of locked down the best big in the country? Honestly, in my opinion, they didn't do anything schematically different. It was more about, and I'm patting my my chest here, <laughs> like it was more about they flew around. I mean, you, you guys know, like sometimes we overdo, you know, adjustments. Sometimes it's like, no, the scheme works. You got to do it better and you got to do it with more purpose. I thought their rotations were stronger. I thought they were more physical, meeting people at the rim as they were diving off of double teams. I thought they were more decisive when they were coming with the double team. So I don't think they did anything different other than they did it better and they did it more physical because I think they knew if we don't, we are in trouble. The other thing they did out of it is they scrambled out of it. Like, you know, they, they, they did a good job of – they didn't necessarily – take the easy way out of like, okay, well, I'm going to take away the the dive man out of the double team to the, to the, to the paint and set that, that three pointer is wide open and somebody else, I guess I'll have to get it. No, they were, they were, they were flying around and trying to take away both or at least contest those three point shots. But I think one of the interesting things for me, at least is like, in some ways that game and that defensive plan that you saw, Zach Eady he was kind of the, uh, along with whether it was Luca Garza, Trace Jackson Davis, a lot of these like murderers row big men that Fred Hoiberg saw over the course of the last four years here in the Big Ten. That's why he made his adjustment schematically defensively to go to this new system. He was like, listen, we, we cannot just play straight up in the post. We got to have a unique sort of defensive scheme that allows for these post players to get doubled, to get uncomfortable. And I, it was just kind of unique to see like a, a full-fledged schematical program adjustment show itself in a big moment in a good way. Now, it certainly helps offensively when you throw in what they make 14 threes. I mean, that like that's going to that's going to help any sort of situation, um, regardless of what you're doing. But, yeah, I, I, when you look at what Nebraska, what are they, 19 and six, I think, since February 1st of last year, like. I, I think what you're seeing is like their defensive schematic plan. It's pretty good, you know. Like it, it's it's when do, when done right and done with purpose, it, it can it can yield pretty good results. And I think the Zach Eady and and players like him are the reason why they made that change. Nick, I want to jump back to the Big East for a moment because there's a lot of new faces leading these teams, and we're about at that midseason point. We may have actually already surpassed it. I'm not exactly too sure on that. But who's who's the one coach that's impressed you so far out of the new faces? Would it be the veteran and Rick Patino? Would it be the rookie, Kim English? Or could you even throw the transfer, Ed Cooley, in there? 
I mean, I think I could throw up two other guys that you didn't even name. I mean, oh, I, I like think Shaheen it. Holloway, what he, what he's done here at the, at the start of, of conference play, knocking off a lot of the big dogs in the conference, beat UConn, beat Marquette. Um, after after a, a non-con that didn't necessarily serve as a precursor, like, look out for this team. Um, I, I'd throw Thad Mata in there, too. I think what, what Thad mm. has done this season has been has been really impressive. He had to basically hit the complete reset button, brought in a whole bunch of new transfers. Um, I had their very first game of the year. And I remember taking off the headset and thinking to myself, like, that team's a lot better. I don't know what that means. That might be, mean they're <laughs> in the playing game still in New York come, come the Big East tournament. But I just know that team is a lot better. And I can tell talking to Thad that, like, you know, there's that whole cliche line of, like, of, you know, before you can win with the group, you got to be – they got to be the kind of group you can lose with. You know, like, you 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 can ride with these dudes. And I could tell Thad – he kind of said, like, last year, I couldn't ride with those dudes. Like, that that group last year, they kind of get punched in the mouth and they they fold. He was like, this is not like that. And I think they've, they've shown that. Um, so I've been I've been really impressed with Shaheen Holloway and, and Thad Mata. I also think Rick Pitino, what he's done, it's also a – I mean – I'm excited. I have that game tomorrow on Fox. Uh, very, very intriguing game with St. John's coming to town. I think Andrew, the reason I maybe look past Rick Patino is because he's he's Rick Patino and like you, <laughs> right. you expect him. Like I didn't necessarily expect Seton Hall to be sitting tied at first here in mid-January or sit with Butler, but with like Rick Patino, you kind of expect you could put the dude on Mars and he would field a, a, a team and they would like find a way to compete and, and win. So it's hard to look past what he's doing, but there have been a lot of good coaching jobs so far uh, in the Big East. Yeah, Nick, the reason I excluded, uh, you know, Seton Hall and Butler from that conversation was those guys got in 2022. So I was looking Agreed. at the 2023 oh, yeah. I see from, yeah, 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 yeah. from okay. those pictures. But I like where you sat with, with Rick Patino because, you know, First it's St. John's, then it's UConn, then it's Seton Hall, the top three teams in the Big East coming up for Creighton. What would you say is your expectation for the three games? And if you are Creighton and win these three, are you comfortable saying Creighton is the top team in the Big East? Yeah, if you if, if they go if they go three and zero in their next three game stretch here, attention world like they're they're. They're humming along here. I mean, you you go on the road at UConn and knock them off, and I think you got a you got a St. John's team. I watched their I, I did a you New Mexico UNLV game was flying home from Vegas, and I watched the St. John's Villanova game, and whoa man, St. John's went into Philly and straight up pulled those dudes into an alley and kicked their you know what like from start to finish. So St. John's is playing as good as anybody in the in the country right now. So I I, I say. Yes, like if they if they go three and zero in this next three game stretch, you'd have to put them in that conversation. But I also don't want to like uh, do you. It's hard to not ride that roller coaster. Like when when Creighton lost back to back games against Villanova and Marquette, everybody was like, "What's wrong with this team?" You know, and it's like you know, like yeah, they they they've had, they have their deficiencies, but it's a long season, and you're going to lose games, and they built double digit leads and lost them. So it's not like they they you know the ball was tipped and they just got like dominated from start to finish. So. I also don't want to ride that roller coaster, Andrew, but these next three games are going to be massively important. But it starts in about 24, a little over 24 hours from now. It's going to be a great game inside the CHI Health Center with, with the Johnnies coming into town. Nick, something I've been thinking a lot about lately with the Big East and specifically Villanova 
What's your level of concern with Kyle Neptune and kind of what he's been able to do through a year and a half? I think people had high expectations for him. Obviously, they dealt with a lot of injuries last year um, and before they were able to kind of round into shape and never really turned into the team that I think most people wanted them to be. And then this year, again, the expectations were kind of high and he hasn't really met the bell. Are, are you concerned at all long-term with Kyle Neptune at Villanova? I think so. Um, I, I think a little bit. I, I it's, It is hard whenever injuries always are the great variable in how you're judging anything, you know? Like, uh, at the same time, you don't want to overdo that. But, like, Justin Moore, their be- the, his best player, more often than not, when he has showed up to games as the head coach, his best player has been in street clubs. Mm-hmm. So, Maybe Kyle Neptune would homie the clown me <laughs> as well and, and smack me in the head like, hey, man, like my, my star hasn't been available. So there, there's certainly there, there's there's that that you have to consider. But I also think one of the reasons beyond the fact that, you know, Jay Wright, I think, was was getting a little bit older and, and he had really had an amazing amount of success of late. But I think one of the reasons that Jay Wright is now – sitting with a suit on doing TV is the way he wants to run his program. It's hard to do that now in, in 2023, 2024 and, and beyond. Like if you look at this team, the one thing that all these teams over the years have had is like continuity. And what, you know, they've, they've gone from Archie Diacono to Jalen Brunson to Colin Gillespie, not to mention the good wings to Josh Hart uh, to Mikhail Bridges and DiVincenzo to, you know, and, and it goes on and on and on. And a lot of these guys, it's kind of been a sit and wait your turn and learn program. And it's harder to do that now. I mean, their starting lineup, sure, was supposed to have Dixon and Justin Moore, but it's it's Burton, it's Bamba, it's Hakeem Hart. It's a lot of new guys. And Villanova runs, it's a, it's a more unique system and style than you think it is. It's very patient. It's a all five guys post. It's a lot of shot fakes, extra passes, and not necessarily just go roll the ball out and go go hoop. It's a, it's a little bit more of a complex system to get comfortable in. And so I think to to bridge things past Neptune is like, okay, can he? Because he's trying to do exactly what Villanova's always done. It's it's harder than you think to get guys, new guys, come in and run that system effectively and. The last thing I'll say is like, and I hate the cop out of like, well, I could win if I had Brunson and, and Bridges and even like that's not necessarily true. But like, if you're gonna, there are certain systems that really, really work if you got the personnel to do it. And the teams that have been good for Nova over the course of the last you know five, six, eight years, there've been NBA dudes all over the place where their guy can win one on one nine times out of 10. I don't know if this team certainly didn't have it last year. I don't know if this team's as blessed to have, I mean, you tell me, I mean, is there a bunch of pros on that Nova roster? I mean, a healthy Justin Moore, maybe, uh, but I just don't know if there's a lot of pros out there. So there's also that element of it as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I, I'd be, um, you have to be a little concerned about what what's happened here over a season and a half with Kyle Neptune at Nova. Nick, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Robbie. I was going to say, we've got about a minute left here with yeah. you, Nick. I just wanted to ask you real quick, uh, Nebraska football. I know you're a huge Nebraska football fan, and, and you've been covering them and following them forever as well. 
they kind of went four for four in their little transfer portal window, and they also picked up a O lineman just for funsies yeah. uh, that didn't even come visit. How impressed have you been with the targeted and like specific and precise nature of how Matt Rules attacked the transfer portal? Very, very impressed. I always try to urge people to think back when the clock struck zero against Iowa, how you felt about things. And then think about how you feel now. I'd imagine you feel a lot better about things now. That's kind of the nature of the offseason is we have a, a way of, of always getting optimistic and start chugging the Kool-Aid. But I do think it's it's warranted. I felt like the reality of the situation was they needed all they needed all new top skill guys. Like we, And I know that's maybe not nice to say. <laughs> but they needed a new quarterback. They needed a new running back. They needed a new number one wide receiver. And I think – at least on paper, they probably went out and and checked all those boxes. And you wonder, Robbie, how much a, a guy like Dylan Riola has has jump started that. How much just, you know? You get the number one quarterback and you know a five star. How much that is just magnetic and it, it attracts other top talent. But yeah, I, I'm been really really impressed with they've improved their roster over the course of the last month or so, um, and especially they've gotten not just talent, but they've got talent in the right spots that they really, really need as well. That's Nick Ba. He is a college basketball analyst for FS1. He'll be on the call on Big Fox tomorrow for Creighton and St. John's. And hey, next time we talk, I need you to bring one of those shoot 360s up to Omaha for your boy to get some work. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. See what you can do for me, all right? Okay, okay. be patient, my friend. I think right. I think hopefully that, that, that'll happen sooner than, than later, but I got you. All right, I appreciate it. I'll come dap you up tomorrow. Uh, that's Nick Ba, our guy from uh, FAPS1, and, of course, Nick Ba Podcast, Chicken Nick. We've got more of Herd Out Sports Radio coming up next.